Scott with SJ, Wildfire.com. Hey, I'm pleased to announce Pastor Larry. We've talked a little bit about Pastor Larry and his Bible study. He's been studying Ephesians 6 for the last three to four years. We were talking uh, last week. This is uh, Brother Larry. And good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever this may find you. Thanks for uh, for, uh, dialing in. We were talking about when we ended last week about uh, Satan's favorite tactic is being very deceptive. Um, we talked about him being a liar and the father of it. That was John eight forty four. Our culture, because it's rejected Christ, has gone its own way and has brought into their lives his lies. This worldview or system that is taught by Scripture is be, as to be treated as an enemy. Love not the world nor the things that are in the world. This is a command from Scripture. It's to be treated as an enemy because behind all of this world system, and this culture that goes against the teachings of the morality of Scripture is to be treated as Satan's attempt to control the believer or to deceive him. I want to make that perfectly clear. And today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So you've dialed in, and I pray that today you would hear his voice through the Scriptures. I've been reading a book called, uh, um, it's right here on my desk. It's called The Essential Guide to Spiritual Warfare. It's by Neil Anderson and Timothy Warner. And it's learning how to use our spiritual weapons to keep your mind and heart strong in Christ and how to recognize Satan lies and defend your loved ones. And they had a good piece to say about Satan's deceptions. Is he said, he, they said, quote, Deception is a very clever tactic and effective because if someone attacks you, you know it. You can defend yourself, whether the attack is verbal or physical. If someone tempts you, you know it. You have a choice to make. But if someone deceives you, you don't know it. If you knew it, you wouldn't be deceived. You accept what is being told to you as truth, and you proceed to act upon it. We see this work out among the cult leaders, dictators, and the like. Satan has many years of experience to have to hone this craft that he has. Sometimes we may realize that we have been deceived, but our pride keeps us from admitting it. Isn't that so true? Deception is an effective means of control. And that's as I go back to my Vietnam experience. And even in life in general, even in your sports, football games. um, I'm a big sports fan. uh, The whole point of the offense is to deceive the defense. And the more deceptive you are, the better you're going to be at it. So, and Satan has honed this method of being deceptive in the spiritual realm. 
to keep us being effective for the one who hates, the one he, he hates, and that's God and Jesus Christ. Satan is not the enemy of religion. Understand that. He's the enemy of the cross of Jesus Christ. So, like I said before, we are in a spiritual battle, not a physical one. And so we want to go back to just shortly, just review what we talked about in the book of Joshua. God has given us resources. He has given us resources to help us against the spiritual enemy. One of those resources was his presence. And God has promised to be with us. He told Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be neither afraid nor be dismayed. And God, and God promised Joshua that he would go before him. And that's the point I'd like to make also. God is, the battle is not ours. God has promised to go before us. He's the one who will fight the battles. And he has told us to follow him. So if we think we have to do the battle, it's our faith as we believe in what Jesus Christ has done for us that we fight the battle, that we put on the armor. God's presence. Oh, he is with us, my fellow believers. He has promised Joshua. He has promised us in the, um, in the New Testament, such as in John 14, 80, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Our whole, his Holy Spirit is in us. That's verse 17 in John chapter 4. That his Holy Spirit, he's given us his Holy Spirit to be in us and to help guide us. He doesn't leave us alone. Remember, he promised that to Joshua in Joshua 1.5. There shall not be any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. So as God was with Joshua, God will be with us. Joshua was just a man, just a human being like you and I. He wasn't special, but he was obedient to the Lord. And so are we to be. You know, with this assurance, it, this, this brings strength to me, to knowing that God is with me, that he goes before me in this battle that we have. When I'm having a hard time or when the battle gets tough, and it will get tough, his presence provides for me comfort and hope. And I hope that, that does that for you. You know, you may feel be feeling overwhelmed. Cling to God. Cling to the Word of God and the promise of His presence. You know, I think of it's a shepherd psalm that says, "It's it says, even though I walk through the valley of sh the shadow of death, thou thou art with me. 
God has promised to walk with us even though death comes upon us or death comes close to us. And if you read the rest of that shepherd's psalm, it talks about just daily living. That the shepherd is with us. He wants to be our shepherd. So we have the promise of his presence in Joshua. This is just by way of review what we talked about. The battle is tough and we need his presence. Where shall I go from your spirit? This is the book of Psalms in Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your spirit or where, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I wake up in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. What a tremendous promise that is. And God's presence is connected with his promise. And it's connected also with his faithfulness. Isaiah said, For thus saith the Lord, the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite heart and a lowly spirit, to receive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Do you understand what that's promising you? Humble yourself under God and he will lift you up. That's what Isaiah is saying. So in order for Satan to get to you, he must go through God himself. Well, he can stay outside of us and he can use our sinful nature, our flesh. He can tempt us, but he cannot outright, cannot outright attack us. Remember in the book of Job when Satan says, said this, he says, Had not thou, God, made a hedge around him and about his house? God has put a hedge around us. In fact, he's gone better than that. As the book of Ephesians says, he's, he's put us in Christ. Talk about a hedge around us. Satan has to go in Christ in order to attack us. All right. So, put on the whole armor of God. So we talked about God's presence in the book of Joshua. We talked about his promises, and his promises have to do with his faithfulness. Here's a few passages. 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful by whom you are called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he that calls you, who also will do it. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Did you hear that? Keep you from evil. 2 Timothy 2.13 If we believe not, yet he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself, even when we're in doubt. That's saying that God is still faithful to us. Hebrews 2.17 Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of his people. And in verse 18, For in that he himself has suffered 
being uh, tempted. He is able to help them that are tempted. 1 Peter 4.19 Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. God will be faithful to us even in our suffering. 1 John 8, 1, 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you see the promises. There was a promise to Joshua that God said he would be faithful to his promise. He would be faithful to his word for him, or to him. Let's go back to the book of, uh, of uh, Ephesians. That's where we left off many, many weeks ago, it seems like. But I wanted to give you some resources that was were found in the Old Testament, and I think we will cover those and we'll discuss them. Let's go back to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and verse 10. Chapter 6 and verse 10 where Paul says, finally, and when we just discuss that word, finally, it means he's tying everything together from the previous chapters. He's not just adding this as a postscript, so to speak. He says, finally, my brethren, and that is in the plural. As he is talking now to the church, application to us as individuals, but he's talking to the church. If... Uh, you remember, and if you're not, I'll wake your memory here. We talked about that this main address is to the church at Ephesus. And that's by use of all these plural pronouns like us and we. So Paul is speaking to the church as a whole. My brethren. And he's speaking to the, uh, the individual secondary. We know this by use, like I said, of the plural pronouns. And the content of the book itself especially in chapters 1 through 3, where Paul says that Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. That's in 1, 22, and 23. That the church is the wisdom of God, and his wisdom is shown through the church, now listen to this, in the heavenly realms. Aha! He wants Satan to see he wants believers to see, because we're supposed to be living in the spiritual realm. He, God wants his wisdom on display. That Christ is the glory, his glory is to be manifested in the church. Chapter 3, verses 21. Is it any wonder brothers and sisters, that the book of Ephesians is about warfare, spiritual warfare. Because the church as a body of Christ is a representation of Jesus Christ himself. We're to show the wisdom of God. We're to show the holiness of God. 
because Christ has called us, called us to be holy and blameless. Satan can't attack Jesus personally, but he sure can his members, which is the body of Christ. God the Father is showing in the heavenly realms, demons or otherwise, and those on the earth, his glory and boundless riches in Jesus Christ and his wonderful grace for all those believe. You know that the only Christ that the world will see in many cases is you, is the church. Think about who we represent. That should change how we live as believers. And the world is well justified in saying, there's so many hypocrites in the church, I don't want to go to church. And you know, their argument is, in, in a way, it's very valid. Because the church seems like it has drifted so far that you can't distinguish Christians, a lot of times, from non-Christians. Does that sober us up a little bit? Does that wake us up to the truth, like I've emphasized before, of the Word of God? You know, the enemy couldn't attack the United States or the President of the United States when I was in Vietnam, but he sure could attack those that represented them, which were the soldiers in Vietnam. And so same does the enemy do, his spiritual enemy. He can't attack Christ, but he sure can attack those who are attempting, they're called by his name, actually. Satan goes to church on Sunday. He's not in the bars of the ghettos or the clubs. His objective is to destroy the works of Christ have manifested in the true church of God. So we must be remain pure and holy and live in the truth. And so I emphasize this fact of the church for, for another reason, and that is the body of Christ, all those who have received Jesus Christ as their Savior, the local church, as emphasized earlier, is an arm of that body of Christ. And it's so important is that we be part of that local assembly of believers. We should be hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We should be under and supporting gifted men of God who can rightly divide the word of truth. Men and women who come alongside you and help you and you help them in this battle that rages on before us. Let me read a, uh, a passage. I'm going to end with this. Read a portion of Ephesians 4 again. Listen to verses 13 and 14. This states why God has given, has given, excuse me, gifted individuals, pastors and teachers. It's for the edifying or the perfecting, the King James says, of the body of Christ until we all come in the unity of the faith, in the knowledge of of the Son of God unto a complete man, woman, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and their cunning, craftiness, wherefore, that they lie in wait, and here's this word again, to deceive. Friends, God has gifted in the local assembly men and women who are gifted and to keep us from deception. And we need that. We, we, we can't walk alone. If we walked alone in Vietnam, we'd be picked off. We had to fight as a unit, and there's strength in numbers. So to fight against the wild of the enemy is the utmost urgency that we join together with other believers. We need to be in a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring church, a Holy Spirit assembly of believers with God-ordained teachers who can build up the saints in maturity, and this will keep us from the evil one's deceptions and lies. This is another resource God has given us, and we dare not ignore it. It guards us against the doctrines of demons, as it says Paul's instructions to Timothy. And let's face it, if you're daily reading, studying, and praying, and, do what, and doing what you read and study, and are actively, actively participating in a Christ-honoring church, you're well on your way of being wise to the devil's schemes. So, thanks for listening. We will see you next week.